Let's get in the word today. The grace of God is a subject. I sat at Rama in a class with Tony Cook. And it changed my life as I began to see this thing that we call the grace of God. And I could honestly say, as Paul says, I am who I am by the grace of God. If there is anything good in me or flows through me, it's the grace of God. It's because of God's grace. And I sat in that class and it set me on a course for over a decade to really, really study the grace of God primarily. And, and I'm telling you, it, it's amazing. I, I, I taught a class in a Bible school uh, where I got to teach, you know, I bet it was probably 40 hours on the grace of God. And it was wonderful. And, and now as I stand years and years later, I've, I know so much more about the grace of God today than I did back then. Because the grace of God is something that you grow in. But it's what causes you and I, as God's kids, to reign in life. To have full and superior dominion in our life. Realizing this. See, this is where our camp messes up. Or, or our group, whatever you want to call us. We study the word so the enemy knows we're hearing the word which can impact the world. So what he does is he tries to get you up to here with your own life so that you keep what you learn only for you and it's not designed that way. It doesn't even work that way. When you forget about you and you come to get equipped to help others, you will grow. And while you're sowing into other people's lives, God will harvest into your life. And the grace of God is what gives you what to sow. The grace of God strengthens you. We're to be strong in his grace. We access, we have access to the grace of God through faith. As we learn about God's grace, literally, we start to learn his ways and his purposes so that we can fulfill God's plan for our life. And all of it is knowing him. For us as Christians, everything's a relationship. Do you want to know who you are? You have to. It's only found in knowing him. Only found in knowing him. As you get to know him, you get to know who you are. And as you grow in grace, it's all about growing in your knowledge of who he is and who you are in him. So we talked about some of those things. Well, today... I want to go into this, so this is going to be part of a series. Uh, you know, I say this almost every time. Th this is so important in your Christian life. You know, for me as a pastor, I do not, and you're going to see this, my responsibility is not to make you feel comfortable and not to entertain you. My responsibility is to Submit myself to the Lord so that he can speak through me and so that his word would be preached in a manner worthy of him. Because in a manner worthy of him blesses all of us. And so as we go through this, I really want you to just focus in, focus in your spirit and receive from him. Believe God for revelation knowledge. Believe God for utterance, for an open door. 
Don't let things distract you because what we're talking about is what will get you over in life. It positions you. So I want to really, in this third session here, I want to talk about and define, <laughs> define the grace of God. Well, under the context that we will never have the full definition. You know, 500,000 years from now, we're going to be walking around going, wow, his I've just seen another aspect of his grace that I didn't even know about. But we're going to talk about it. It's very important to define it. You know, here's the thing, guys. Because you're born of God, you are already a world overcomer. You are a victorious, triumphant person that's just going somewhere to be victorious and triumphant. Now, the enemy will try to make you feel like you're defeated, but it's a lie. It's a paper kingdom. Any bondage that's in your life has no hold on you because Jesus has made you free and your spirit man is completely free. All this illusion of bondage is just in your mind and this word, as we implant it in our heart, it causes our mind to be freed and get saved so that we, it comes in line with who we are. So I want to define the grace of God for you today. Turn to Romans chapter 5, foundational scripture. We've gone through it before. We're going to go a little deeper today. Romans chapter 5 in verse 17. Romans chapter 5 in verse 17. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to break it down once you get there. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life, it says, by one, Jesus Christ. So as death reigned through Adam, now as we receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life by the one or through the one or with the one, Jesus. So, do you get that? Death reigned through Adam. We reign through Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? So now let's break this down just a little bit. For if by one man's offense, death reigned. The man's offense it's talking about is Adam's offense. When Adam sinned, sin now came into the world and death came into the world through sin or by sin. You could say it either way. And now this is where we have all the problems. This word reigned means that death had full and superior dominion in this earth realm. God said to Adam, in the day that you eat of it, in dying you shall die. Now it took... It took, we don't know how old Adam, how long Adam lived. We know he lived 930 years after he ate the fruit, right? It, he died spiritually the day that he ate it. I mean, that, that whole interaction is amazing. You, first time you see fear. See, fear only came as a result of spiritual death. And all of a sudden, Adam and Eve are blaming everybody. Did you notice? Adam blamed God and he blamed his wife. Eve blamed the serpent. The only one that didn't get blamed was Adam and Eve. Guess who was guilty? But that's what spiritual death does. When you live in your flesh, 
You're never wrong. Have you ever noticed that? Everybody else is wrong. Everybody else is doing wrong, but not you. <laughs> but if we get over in our spirit, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, I shouldn't have acted that way. Right? So it says here, death had full and superior dominion by the one. So death literally reigned through Adam. But then it says much more, and in the Greek language, it literally would mean so much more, you can't compare it. So death reigned through Adam, but much more, so much more. What? They which receive. Now this is the key to the whole verse. The word receive. They which receive. That, mean, that word means to take hold of, right? And continue in. Here's the thing you got to know about this word because on the surface, we read it and we don't see the meaning of it. It means to take hold of and continue in. They which receive. It's in the continuous tense in the Greek. It says, they which receive, notice not who God gives. Because God's already given it to who? To anyone who wants to receive it. That's right. So now it's not a matter of us getting God to give it to us. It's a matter of us receiving it. But to receive it is not a one-time event. It's something you grow in. Okay? Grace you grow in. So they which receive the abundance of grace. Okay, we grow in grace. That makes sense. So let's look at this. The grace of God. We define it. The, probably the most, um, the most popular definition is unmerited favor. You, have you heard that one before? Basically what that means is you and I don't deserve anything that God did for us. So... That's true. The grace of God, part of the definition could be God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. Right? That's, but that's not the full definition. It can't be. Because I can't grow in knowing that what he did for me I didn't deserve. Does that make sense? That's not something that I, I could grab hold of it and I could continue in it, but to really grow in that I mean, I could grow maybe in my awareness of it a little bit, but it's talking about more. You could define the grace of God, a great definition would be the finished work of Jesus. Everything that Jesus did for us, he did, he gave us by grace. But we have to look at the Greek word to get a deeper meaning into this. It says, they which receive the abundance of grace. The word grace is a Greek, the Greek word charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. It literally means it's, it's the divine influence on the heart and its reflection on the life. The divine influence on my heart that is reflected in my life. And that you can grow in. As you walk with God, 
He's going to talk to you all the time by His Spirit through the Word of God to tell you who you are in Christ. And as you gain revelation knowledge of that and continue in it, you keep your eyes on it. Right? Now I know why we've been teaching what we're teaching. God was wanting to get us to this point. Because this is a year where we break out of this self-centeredness so that God could break through. Amen. We could have breakthrough in our life. Amen. So this is, this is what this year is all about. And God wants you to get it. We have, we have literally the last quarter we're going to finish strong this year. Amen. Amen? So the grace of God, it's something. It's his divine influence on my spirit, man. And that divine influence reflects on my life. It reflects out of my life. This Greek word, charis, is where we get the term charismatic. That person's so charismatic, right? We get the word charisma from it. The grace of God literally is what causes you it just gives you a charisma. You're charismatic. What do I mean by that? You will attract your fruit on this earth. Whatever you're called to do, it will bring success into your life. This is why you have to operate. See, you grow. It's very specific. The grace of God for you is very specific to God's plan for your life. That's why it is so important that you find and discover God's plan for your life. And here's the thing, that's an ongoing thing where the word of God is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. This is why you have no time to look at what anybody else is doing. Come on. You gotta keep your eyes on him so that you can keep your eyes on you to keep yourself on the path. Because if I start thinking about what Mark needs to do, I'm, I'm gonna be looking at him and I could get off my path. Because there's no anointing for me to tell Mark what to do. Does that make sense? That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to love Mark and to speak to him words that build him up and encourage him. That's, that's what I'm to do. I'm to work out my own salvation. Why? Because I need to be laser focused on my path. Not for me, though. So that I can fulfill the plan of God because... I'm, I'm a child of God. The love of God's been shed abroad in my heart. I'm not wired to be concerned about myself. Anytime I'm concerned about myself, that's my flesh. It's not me. You got to see that to be free. What turns you on is, I mean, you get excited when you get blessed. But it's nothing like when, you're, when you bless somebody. And God wants you to live a life where you walk out every desire in your heart. So you're sowing into your local church. You're sowing into ministries. You're sowing into people. You're just, you're just, you literally are sowing into your wife, into your husband, into your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your family, all that you come in contact with. As the Lord leads you, because he leads you by desires, and you're fulfilling these desires. You're not moved by the nonsense in this world. Because you know God's with you. And his divine influence on your heart, it strengthens you as it reflects out of your life. 
That's what we're talking about. They which receive the abundance of grace, the divine influence of, on your heart and its reflection on your life. It says here, and of the gift of righteousness. Now, right, now this is real interesting because you can't grow in righteousness. You will never be more righteous than the day that you got born again, even though you probably couldn't even spell righteousness. Couldn't define it, right? Most Christians, even now, they don't, defi- they don't even know what it is. They think it's holiness. Holiness is how you walk. Holiness flows out of righteousness. You can't walk holy if you don't know you're righteous. Thank you. Right? So this is, this is huge. But, but literally, when I said, Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you lived on this earth. I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe that in my heart. And because of that, Jesus, I now proclaim that you are my Lord. I am no longer my Lord. I invite you into my heart, and when I do that, the Holy Spirit comes into me, into my physical body. He takes out the spirit man that is dead spiritually and separated from God and puts a brand new spirit in me, and then he sheds, he just saturates that spirit in the agape love of God, and then the Holy Spirit takes residency on the inside of me. How long? Forever. Forever. And then... What happens is I have this great event. We're going to do it next week as I, I, I get water baptized. And I want to encourage you, if you were sprinkled as a baby, that's not what this is talking about. But don't throw that out. That's an awesome thing. If you, I grew up in a Catholic, you know, I was as a little guy, our whole family was Catholic, right? You know, and, and then when my mom received Christ, we went into a Baptist church and and, and, you know, there, we were in a Christian church for a little while and mostly Baptist and grew up that way. But, you know, if you were sprinkled, listen, that just count that as when you were dedicated to the Lord. So then you get water baptized and all that does is now you're just declaring that I was buried with him. This is the book of Romans. I was buried with him in baptism. My old man was buried. Gone. And I was raised to newness of life. So now, and then the Bible says, and I was made to sit in him and with him in heaven. So positionally, uh, today, where am I at? I'm in heaven. I'm I'm seated far above all principality and power. Temporally, where am I at? I'm I'm at Faith Family Church. Figure that one out. Right? So, So then I have the ability now where Jesus came and said, okay, guys, they got born again after he rose from the dead, right? And now he said, now listen, don't go do anything. And I could just see him. Now, Peter, I'm especially talking to you, right? He's one of these ready, shoot, aim guys, right? So, so he's like, don't go, I don't want you to do anything. I want you to go to Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where now the Holy Spirit, it's a, it's a subsequent thing. And uh, it's a subsequent event to salvation. Now the Holy Spirit's already in you, but now he comes upon you. And you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to say a half term that we do all the time. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
It empowers you to be a witness on this earth. You know, you have these nine gifts and manifestations of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit, as he wills, can operate in that. That word that I just spoke about, Pastor Dave, that was a word of prophecy. That was one of the vocal of the one of the nine gifts. It was inspired utterance by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes in services, you'll have somebody have a gift of tongues, right? Or, and we've seen it here where, you know, somebody will give a tongue. Well, which doesn't bless any of us because none of us know what you're saying, right? So we need that other gift, the interpretation of tongues. It's like the, both sides of a coin. You need both sides for it to make sense. And then the interpretation comes in English and we're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And we never judge the person because a person could miss it, but we always judge the gift to make sure it lines up with the word, right? But then I am also given... Not, not the gift of tongues, that's severally, that's as the Holy Spirit wills. May happen once for you and never happen again. Gift of healing, working of miracles, special faith, all the discerning of spirits. That's not, see, we think the discerning of spirits is where we could look at somebody and go, oh, you know, I know, no, no. That, that's some other gift, I don't know, that's a gift of the flesh. No, discerning of spirits is when you see into the spirit realm. You know, I've seen into the spirit realm. One time I've seen angels. A few, there's been a few times that I've seen demons. So, and it's for the purpose of just knowing how to minister to somebody. But, uh, and angels are really cool. I remember when I saw them, I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen, but yet it seems so natural. The thing I remember about them is they were big. But the main thing I remember about them is they had a big smile on their face. But it's, Yeah. So anyway, so you have this. This is who we are as Christians. And you need all of it. But here we go. Let's get back to this. The gift of righteousness. I, I, I'm, when I get born again now, my father declares me righteous. And he makes me in his righteousness. So I'm not clothed in righteousness. Like I'm clothed in this shirt. I could take this shirt off. I can't take my righteousness off. I'm made the very righteousness of God in Christ. Everything is in Christ. Because I'm in Christ. How do you know, that the, how do you know if you're in Christ? If his spirit dwells in you. So now, now... There's got to be an aspect of righteousness, though, that I can grow in because this word, they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. So what this is talking about, it, it literally, the gift of righteousness, to have full and superior dominion, to the gift of righteousness literally is growing in what that righteousness means. That's what it's talking about. It's literally learning who you are in Christ. That's how you'll grow and continue in righteousness in the same way that you continue to grow in grace. So I grow in my awareness of what it means to be the righteousness of God and I grow in the grace of God as I learn who I am in Christ, it, the grace of God grows in me 
and enables me to yield all my fruit. It enables me to stand and walk in the faith of God when everything else around me seems to be falling apart, to walk in the love of God when people could be hurting me or whatever. I, I, I'm just immovable in that. And literally, to be led by the Spirit of God, it gives me the, the strength and courage to do that. So this is what we're talking about. So it says here, and of the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life. This word life is the Greek word zoe. You will have full and superior dominion as you walk in the very quality of life that God has. And you do that, it says, by one. But it's the Greek word dia, which means through. You could translate it by, through, or with. So I reign in life by Jesus, I reign in life through Jesus, I reign in life with Jesus. Does that make sense? So this is what it's saying. Paul is speaking about God's grace to overcome. See, what he was doing to these Romans, he was teaching this so that these Roman Christians could overcome wrong teaching that the Jewish People had come. They had come to these Roman Christians and they're going, okay, listen, this Paul guy's out to lunch. Yeah, you could have Jesus, but you also have to keep the law of Moses. So you got to be circumcised. You got to still do the sacrifices. And, and, and they hated Paul because he said, no, 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 no. You're saved by grace. There are three things that are contrasted. There are three things that are contrasted in the Word of God. Now, I'm going to give you an aerial view that it'll be worth you coming today. This is so necessary. It'll reveal things to you. Three things that are contrasted to the grace of God. And there's scriptures for all of them. We'll go through them whenever. So the first one is sin. It, it contrasts sin. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to go to it. Go to Romans chapter 5. We got we to jump ahead here. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Three things that are contrasted, that are contrasted with grace. First one is sin. It's found in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. In Romans 5, 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. But where sin abounded... Grace did much more abound. It's contrasting grace and sin. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. So much more you can't compare it. Right? The second one is law. The second contrast that Paul makes all throughout Scripture here in his revelation with grace is law. Romans chapter 6 in verse 14. Now, there's other scriptures, but I'm just going to give you a taste of it here. In Romans 6.14, it says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law. Now, this is interesting, because in the literal Greek, the word the is not in there. It should read like this, For you are not under law. Not just the law, the law of Moses. You're not under any law. You're not under law, but you are under grace. So here's the thing. Think of two umbrellas. I was going to have an object lesson. Two umbrellas. 
I'm not under the umbrella of the law. This is why I can't do anything to please God. I have to believe him. I'm under the, the umbrella of grace. So it contrasts. So the second thing is law. First thing is sin. Second thing is law. Here's the third one, and the third one's huge. It's works. It contrasts grace with works. Romans chapter 11, verse 5. Romans chapter 11, verse 5 and 6 says this, Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now that word election is a little bit, um, it's a little vague. The word election literally means salvation. So you could read it this way, according to the salvation of grace. What do you mean, Pastor? Ephesians 2, right? Verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved. You could read it this way. For by grace you are elected. Every human being's been elected to be saved, but they must choose, right? So this is what it's talking about. The election or the salvation of grace. Verse 6, this is what I want you to see. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. So if you are under grace, you cannot work for your salvation. You will work out your salvation. I work out. So I, am I, I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by grace. But, but don't minimize it. Because I'm saved, it will be shown by my works. If I can't tell a person's heart if they're really saved, it makes me very nervous when I read the word of God that where, where many will stand before Jesus and go, Lord, I preached in your name, I did wonders in your name, I did miracles, I did all this stuff in your name, and Jesus will look at them, it says multitudes in that day, and he'll look at them and go, depart from me, I never knew you. So see, when I see somebody whose lifestyle, see, see you gotta ask yourself, can you be convicted of being a Christian? Because it's really vague right now, guys. I pray every day that everyone who attends this church will be saved. But, but I, don't, I don't know. Because coming to this church won't save you. That's right. right? Any more than sitting in your garage will make you a car. So, so we, we don't work for salvation. Because we have salvation, we work out our own salvation right so works will come out of it just like holiness comes out of righteousness so it's really hard though you can't judge it because at the end of the day if i if see as i stand here right now my spirit can't even sin but my flesh has the very sin nature in it so if i allow through not renewing my not mind, not being in the word, I'm not surrounding myself in the right environment, I'm living for myself, I can look exactly like somebody and act exactly like somebody that's not saved. Now, one thing you kind of see, if a person's saved, there's a willingness for them to run back. But, you know, I, I just, I, I've known people that I look at them and go, man, there is zero willingness. I just hope they are. 
We'll find out one day. Here, here's my opinion. Don't get that close to the line. Right? If you have no hunger for God today, let that wake you up. But if you just start feed, see, he's totally irresistible. So if you are a child of God and you feed on him, on this word, you'll get hungrier. If you taste, you will see that he's good. If you don't know him and you feed on this word, you will want to know him. Because he's irresistible. He's irresistible to connect with everything on the inside of you. You could be an atheist and he'll wake you up. It's amazing. So the third one is works. Romans chapter 11, verse 5 through 6. It says, even so then at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election or salvation of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace basically is not grace. It's no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You're like, what? <laughs> so here's how you define it. Here's, here's, here's the Pastor Tony commentary. Grace is grace, works is works, and never the two shall meet. Does that make sense? So, we will have to deal with all three of these things if we're going to understand, lay hold of, and continue to grow in the grace of God. We're going to have to make sure that we understand and stay away from sin. So many Christians are living their own life, doing their own thing, and they can't figure out why nothing's working. It's like, oh, no, no, it'll work if you work it. But if you, if you want to do your own thing and walk in the blessings of God, it's not that God won't bless you. He already has. For a disobedient Christian, for a disobedient child of God, God knew before they were saved they were going to be disobedient, and yet he still blessed them with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. The problem is they can't, they can't lay hold of it. So if this is the blessing of God, and, and I'm living my own thing. You knew a bottle was coming out soon, right? I, I, I just, I can't, I can't lay hold of it. Why? Because I'm blind. I'm, I'm, bl I'm trying to lay hold of it, and I'm blind. So, but if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be able to lay hold of it. You'll be able to receive it. That's what it's saying here. So, you'll have to deal with sin. You'll have to deal with law. Right? Well, if I just see law, we think of only the Mosaic law, but you're going to have to deal. If you want to walk in unforgiveness, you're not going to walk in the blessing of God. If you want to be ugly to your brother or sister, you're not going to be able to lay hold of certain things. Does that make sense? If, if you're not willing to honor God in your finances, he is unable to get any of it over to you because you can't receive it. Does this make sense? All of these things. If you don't want to plant yourself in a local church where he says don't, right? Don't stay away from the assembling of yourself together. And, and, and we, we're, well, I just want to stay at home and, and watch the live stream. Well, you can do that. But you're never going to be able to lay hold of everything. God wants you planted in a local church. If you're in a local church that's not preaching the word, 
you know, God's not going to have you stay there. Because you got to hear the word of God. Right? A good internet sermon, a good joke, a phenomenal uh, communicator, a real funny guy, that's not going to get you there when you're diagnosed with something terminal. You got to know who your enemy is, and you got to know you already have the victory over your enemy. Right? You got to know how to lay hold of things. So, this is so important. These, these three things what are they? Sin, the law, and here's the big one works. See, guys, if you looked at Jesus, you saw the grace of God. He was full of grace. See, Jesus was with his father, he was his son, right? The influence of his father was completely seen in the fact that all Jesus wanted to do and say is what his father did and said. The more of an influence a father, it's likened to an earthly father and an earthly son or daughter. They will, they, uh, they will take on, the more that, that parent has influence in their child, the more that child Will, will be influenced and just want to be like their dad or be like their mom. You saw that in Jesus. But here's the thing. Paul talks about us as adopted. See, now, now adoption, the word adoption, though, it literally means we've been born into, we're just as much a son as Jesus is. But here's the difference. We have this unrenewed mind that will always make us think, well, you know, I just got to do something to please my father. Because, you know, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I don't know if you've ever been adopted. You know, if, if you were adopted. Like, like my, my last name is not Finley. I was adopted. My last name's Arigo. Anthony Arigo. So... So now, but I live with my mom. My mom's my mom. But I never knew my biological father. But see, some people will be adopted into a family. And, and see, when we're adopted, we become Christians. See, we still have this residual, unrenewed mind that makes us think, well, you might just not be enough. You know, you, you need to do more. You need to do this. And, and, and you've got to get away from that. You've got to understand works is an enemy of grace. Law is an enemy of grace. Sin is the enemy of grace. Now let's take it one step further. Let's talk about faith. You know what the three roots of unbelief are? How many could you guess what they are? The first one is sin. It's the root of unbelief. The second one is, oh, oh my gosh, it's law. And the third root of unbelief is what? It's works. I got to work, 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 work. Man, I got to just confess and I got to do this and I got to, because man, I really need to be healed and, and my body's getting worse. And no, 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 he already provided it. And the grace of God, it was given to you by the grace of God as you, as you find out, you can just lay hold of it. And you know your father, so you know he never lies. And if he said, by his stripes you're healed, then you're healed. And your body has to come in line with that, right? So these are very important. These three things, if you look at Paul's writings, he dealt with sin, he dealt with the law, and he dealt with works. 
You got that? I think we got a good, good, good thought on that. Man, grace is also defined, again, as unmerited favor, as God doing for me what I could not do for myself, as the finished work of Christ. But how do I grow in the knowledge of that, right? How, I, how do I grow in the knowledge of I don't deserve what God's given me? It's talking about something more. Look at what Paul said. I've read this before, but and you don't have to go there unless you want, just want to. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're just going to read verse 9 and 10 talking about Paul's thorn. And I don't have time to teach on that. On our website, I think I taught two or three weeks on Paul's thorn in the flesh. But it was basically persecution. But let, let's, he asked God three times to take this messenger of Satan from him. God answers and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he says this, and this is his answer. Verse 9, and God said to Paul, my grace is, not, it's not past tense, it's not something future, my grace is, to right now, sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And, and that Greek word asthenia means inability to produce results. My strength, God says, See, his grace is his strength, is made perfect in your weakness and in your inability to produce results. So Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. This cannot just mean I don't deserve what God's given me. It's more than that, right? Do you see that? So, up to this point, we've said this. There are two things that, are, that you need in order to reign in life by, with, or through Christ Jesus. There's two things that you need. Number one, you need the abundance of grace. You must continually take hold of that and grow in it. It's, it's the operation of grace. You, you grow in that. The second thing is the gift of righteousness. I must, and this is what this means, I can't become more righteous, but this is what this means. I must continually grow in revelation knowledge of who I have been made in Christ. I have to do that. I have to grow. I have to have, and see, I can't do that without the Holy Spirit. So now, jump back to Romans chapter 5 and go to verse 21 now. This is, this is just teaching. This will help you get over in life. If you don't, get, if you don't have a grasp on this, you're, you're going to be beaten up by the enemy, and you don't have to be. So this is so important. So, verse 21 of Romans chapter 5. Remember, we started out in verse 17. Now, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto, notice it didn't say by, it said unto eternal life. It didn't say by, it said unto. Why? Because grace 
reigns through righteousness unto eternal life. It means that grace will bring you more and more into eternal life. Does that make sense? you got to see that. As I walk, as I receive the abundance of grace, as I'm growing in my knowledge of who I am in Christ, now it's going to take my life more and more into eternal life, the life of God. So as I'm walking through life, I get stronger. Does that make sense? I'm able to lay hold of things. I walk in a greater measure of faith. I walk more in the love of God. I'm able to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm no longer moved by things outward. I'm only moved by what's inward in me. Why? Because as I'm growing in grace, it propels my life deeper into eternal zoe, eternal life. It happens automatically. It's a fluid thing. It's not mechanical. So here, if you don't get anything else, you just, okay, I've got to receive the abundance of grace, right? I want, this is something God wants me to grow in, and the Holy Spirit's here to help me, and I've got to grow in my knowledge of who I am in Christ, and gosh, by the way, I can't do that on my own either. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. So what can I do? I need to be willing, and I need to be obedient. Isaiah 119, and I will eat the good of the land. He will get it over to me. Isn't that good news? You don't have to figure this out. Now, teaching on this will help you and it'll equip you, but you know what? You could learn all the facts of this if you don't learn or don't allow and submit your life to the Holy Spirit of God. He's the one that shows you things. So let me ask you a question. Will you have more eternal life in heaven that you do now? You won't. Have you ever thought that? The Lord asked me that. I'm like, wow, no. You will have all, you have right now all the eternal life that you'll have all throughout eternity. Isn't that cool? This is why, what day is it? It's September 23rd, right? What's Mark 9, 23 say? There was a young man in our church, Ian Swanson. He was our drummer, part of the Swanson family. His birthday is today. I said, Ian, 923. He's like, what? Mark 923. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Why? Because I am a child of God with the very spirit of God living inside of me. The anointing of God is in me and on me. Wow, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord and in the power of his might. He quickens my mortal body and all things are possible to me as a believer. All, I got, I, all things. You know, what, you know what that word all in the Greek means? Wow, yeah, isn't it? It means all. See, this verse has to do with us operating in something. So jump back to verse 1 of chapter 5. It says in verse 1 of Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith. That means therefore being declared righteous by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith 
into this grace which causes us to stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, I have access by faith into this grace. And as I walk in this grace, it takes me more and more into my eternal life. What that means is you'll start seeing this eternal life more and more on the outside of my life. It'll be manifesting. I don't care if you got sickness in your body today, your spirit, it, it divine, the healing power of God, the very healer is in you. And it'll quicken your mortal body. It'll change your finances. It'll, it'll go over your mind and it'll pull junk out and depression falls off of you. Anxiety falls off of you. Fear is no longer there. That's what we're talking about. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice. What? We rejoice in the hope, the confident, joyous expectation that I will see the glory of the Lord in my life right now. That's awesome. We have access by faith into grace. So in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, it says this, Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The law came, it was given by God. The law of Moses was given by God. All these rules, all these sacrifices, they were given for one reason, so that they would show man what sin is and how that man could never measure up in his own power, he needed a Savior. He needed a Messiah. The grace of God abounds much more than sin. Like I said at the beginning of this service, God's mercy, and I could add this to it, and God's grace is much greater than your disobedience. It's much greater. Romans chapter 6 in verse 14. Jump over there. It's only a, a chapter away. I'm being really nice to you guys. It says in Romans 6, verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? For you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Because I'm under grace, sin cannot dominate me. Yeah, but pastor, I have this sin habit in my life. I just can't seem to overcome it. Exactly. You're trying to overcome it. But if you'll rest in the grace of God and you'll let Him provide the strength to walk free from it. How do I do that? Every time, if I have something in my life that's not of Him, I keep thanking Him. Father, I thank You that I have, that this, this never will dominate me again. Alcohol will never dominate me again. Well, whatever it is, Right? Drugs will never dominate me again. You speak the truth. It brings the power of God on the scene. The grace of God will strengthen you to walk and become the man. Well, actually, not to become. The grace of God will work in your life to reveal to you and to the world the man or the woman of God that you have been made in Christ. For sin shall not have dominion over you. See, grace, think about this, has dominion over the child of God. 
the grace of God. But now up to now, see, we still, we're just getting a glimpse in what's causing me to reign in life. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to bring a little more clarity onto this as we kind of, we're coming down the road here. I'm almost done. I actually, where we're going is Exodus 33 because it gives us such an incredible picture of the grace of God, but we're going to probably have to wait till next week But because um, we're, we're not going to get there because you guys want to go eat lunch and praise God. I don't want to completely wipe you out, okay? You'll come back next Sunday, won't you? <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 2, hallelujah. Well, if you're on the earth, the Lord is willing. Yeah, yeah. If you live your life, well, the Lord willing, I'll go to church, I think. Which church should I go to today? Brother, you're so full of pride, you don't see anything, right? No, the Lord is willing that you work in, in accordance with his will. Amen. So it says here, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, grace and peace. Notice this. You always see the two, the twins, grace and peace, be multiplied unto you through the knowledge. Now, this is the Greek word epignosis, the precise and correct knowledge of what? Of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and peace is multiplied to you as you gain knowledge of who God is, who Jesus is, and who you are in him. That's how grace and peace. So you want to be strengthened to overcome something in your life? You got to put this first and gain knowledge. This is correct and precise knowledge, which comes by the Holy Spirit. You want peace in your life? You want the peace that passes all understanding to mount guard over your heart and mind? It's going to come as you get to know him. Everything comes as a result of knowing him. Well, you know, I just don't like to read my Bible. Okay. See, this is the thing. Jesus is your Lord. You're not your own. But if you want to do that, God, he, he gave you a will and he won't violate it. Right? Well, this church, you know, we just don't see, we don't see enough signs, wonders, and miracles. I wonder what's wrong with that pastor. Instead of that, go look in the mirror. Right? If we want to know, if we really want to know why there's not signs, wonders, miracles breaking out, why, why when we come to church, there's spots to park, why there's not a gridlock around this building, just everybody go home and look in the mirror. And ask the Lord to show you what areas of my life am I, am I choosing not to walk in. The first thing he'll say to you is, first of all, relax. Get your eyes off of all this junk that Satan's causing you to look at. Forget all your weaknesses. Forget all that. Because all that stuff's in your flesh. Don't even worry about that. You just, you, now, now look, get away from this mirror and go look at the real mirror. And so then when you look at the real mirror and you see yourself as you really are, all of a sudden you go, wow. And then you will come to church. Well, actually, we won't come to church. We'll just be the church. Hello. So everywhere we go, there will be signs, wonders, and miracles happening. But as long as we look in that physical mirror, oh, I don't like this about myself. I don't like that about me. Oh, I have this problem here and this problem. Forget all that. Look at the real mirror because you are fearfully and wonderfully made in every way. 
you are see in the old testament and we're going to get into this it's all about obedience that was their responsibility to obey the new testament it is all about it's all about the truth we're going we're gonna to probably spend a whole day or two on this. Great, remember how the word says grace and truth? Your responsibility is not to obey. Your responsibility first is to the truth. And if you put this first, you'll walk in obedience. But if this isn't first, you'll never be able to walk in obedience. Because that nature in your flesh will mess you up. Does that make sense? I hope, that, I hope that you see through all of this. See, for you as a child of God, you're not trying to become, you already are. It's all there. It's all in you. You have everything. And as you just get your eyes off of all the stuff and get your eyes on Jesus, all of a sudden you'll start seeing who I am in Christ. And you're going to walk growing in this gift of righteousness. And that's going to enable you to be strengthened by His grace. And now you're going to receive every moment of every day the abundance of grace, the more grace than you'll ever need, always. Why do you need more than what you need? Because we are to go around, let your words, Colossians, be always with grace so that we can encourage and build each other up. I need more than enough for me because I need to encourage you, right? See, I, I need to go out into the world and encourage people. Listen, God paid for you. You can know him. See, we can minister grace wherever we go. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord, or in Jesus our Lord, Verse, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So I want to finish with this statement today. Growing in grace. This is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing process. And to do it, you have to, be, uh, you have to surround yourself with the right environment, you got to be careful what you're hearing, who you're hearing, and how you're hearing. And you got to just walk, giving yourself a break, resting. See, you're going to see this. Grace is all about rest. I'm not trying to figure anything out. I'm not trying to figure out God's will for my life. All I have to do is put his word first and meditate in it day and night, and his word will show me where I'm at and show me where I need to go. I don't have to think about that. It'll show me what to say. It'll show me what to do. The Holy Spirit's right there. He's my trainer. He's my teacher. He, tell, he knows everything I'll need. Amen?